You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. What if we were to write a Psalm 145? Certainly it would not be with the eloquence with which someone like David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, could write it. But what would our Psalm 145 read like? Would it be this God who is compassionate and kind? and Or would we not really have much to say because we really don't know Him that well? David wrote Psalm 145 in response to how well he knew God. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will encourage you to write your own Psalm 145. What would it say about God? Would it be filled with praises about what God has done for you? Or would you not have much to say because you don't know God very well. Well, Be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 145 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Great with words as he was, this sweet psalmist of Israel is almost like at a loss for words. How do I even begin to praise you and and even talk of your majesty? It's almost like he's, he's asking for help from future generations. Help me out here. Praise the Lord. Extol the Lord. Verse 14, the Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways, gracious in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him, in truth. He will fulfill, verse 19, the desire of those who fear Him. He will also hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth, verse 21, shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless His holy name forever and ever. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. (laughs) For lack of a better word, that's the only word I can just, it's just, you know what's striking to me about this psalm is that David had to have such an intimate and close, very close, relationship with the Lord to be able to pen a psalm as magnificent as this. This expression and description of the goodness and the kindness of God. (laughs) He's writing in as much as he's able, in as much as words will allow, 
what this God that he knows so well is like. He's a loving God. He feeds those with what they need. He takes care. He hears their cry. He's compassionate. He's not angry. He's slow to anger. He's loving. He's kind. He's patient. He's good. I know who He is. I want to tell you who He is. This is how David saw God, because this is how God is. Here's a question. How do we see God? Do we see God like this? What if we were to write a Psalm 145? Certainly it would not be with the eloquence with which someone like David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, could write it. But what would our Psalm 145 read like? Would it be this God who is compassionate and kind? and Or would we not really have much to say because we really don't know Him that well. You know, growing up, I didn't have a good relationship with my father. I had a much better relationship with my mother. But my father was just always mad at me. (laughs) I'm sure I gave him good reason to always be mad at me. But I didn't really like to be around him. I didn't like to be close to him. I would try to avoid him. I would go to bed early before he got home. I would try to get up late after he had already gone in the morning, just so I could not be around him and avoid him. And I have to tell you that it took me many years in my Christian walk to stop looking at my heavenly father through the lens of my earthly father. My heavenly father is not angry. (laughs) My heavenly father is not waiting for me to mess up so he can give me a good licking. (laughs) My heavenly father is very patient with me, and my heavenly father loves me very much. And he wants a relationship with me. He wants an intimate and close relationship with me. In Exodus chapter 34, I need to, I want to read verses 5 through 7, but uh, I decided when I was preparing for the teaching to include this because uh, David refers to the character and the nature of God. Now, let me give you the backstory. Uh, Moses is on Mount Sinai. He's getting the Ten Commandments written on the two tablets of stone. And this is how it went down. We're told, verse 5, Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and, this is interesting, proclaimed the name of the Lord. Stop right there. The name is the nature. When when we talk about when we ask anything in your name, it's not just that you put the name of Jesus and you tag it on the end of the prayer, and whatever you ask in Jesus' name, done deal. You got it. No. What that means is, if you ask anything according to my nature, 
that is consistent with who I am, my nature, my, my characteristics, if it's compatible with and consistent with who I am, my nature, which is my name, then it's my will and you can have it. So God is saying to Moses, I want you to know who and what my name is, the name of the Lord. And that's all capitalized. It's, I don't want to get too technical. That's the tetragrammaton as it's known. Whenever you see the Lord all capitalized like that. So what is the name of the Lord, the nature of the Lord? Because if the name and the nature are consistent, then what God is saying is, I want you to know what I'm like, what my nature is. You know that in the Middle East, they would wait to name the child until after they were born to see what kind of a nature that child had. Then they would name that child accordingly. There's a couple of examples uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, my, my favorite is uh, the name they chose for Isaac. Abraham and Sarah, you know the story. He's a hundred, she's ninety. They tried to help God out. They have Ishmael through Hagar. Big mistake. Still suffering the consequences today in the Middle East, by the way. So finally, uh, Isaac is born. And the story behind it was a year before he was born, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, Abraham, um, one year from today you're going to have a son. Sarah's going to give birth to a son. <laughs> Abraham's like going, that was a very old prayer, Lord. Uh, we, we, we knew that time was a ticking and, <laughs> you know, the, the clock was ticking. So uh, we, we have Ishmael. No, no, no. I, I made you a promise. I'm going to give you a son and Sarah will give birth to a son one year from today. Now, this is all taking place in the tent. And uh, Sarah is within uh, earshot of this and she hears the Lord say that she's going to give birth to a son at 90 years of age. And she starts laughing. And, and the Lord goes, did, did your wife laugh? No. <laughs> so you know what they named the son? Laughter. Literally. In Arabic, it's the same word as it is in the Hebrew. It's not pronounced Isaac, it's pronounced Yitzhak. In Arabic, it's Yitzhak. So if I say to you in Arabic, Ana Yitzhak ma'akum, I'm saying I am laughing with you. Not at you. I didn't say I was laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. It literally, so every time somebody in that day called him by his name, they were saying literally laughter or laughing. Hey, laughter, come here. Oh, laughter, come here. <laughs> Why? Because that was the nature of who he was. It's laughable that a woman who is 90 years old would give birth to a son. That is, that's funny. <laughs> that's, that's Yitzhak. The name is the nature. Here's another one. Jacob, Yachob. Literally, the name means Heel snatcher, cunning, uh, con man, and and struggler. You know this. This was a guy that was, you know, from birth. That was his name because that was his nature. 
So then fast forward to when he's wrestling all night with the Lord. And he's demanding that the Lord bless him. And the Lord is basically saying, I cannot bless you until I break you. And then the Lord asks him, what is your name? What do you mean, what's my name? It wasn't, it's not like God forgot what, what was your name again? It wasn't like that. What he was saying was, uh, your name is no longer heel snatcher, Yehob, Jacob. Now your name is Israel, Prince of God, ruled by God. There, there's debate on the literal meaning of Israel. He changed his name. What he did was he changed his nature, but Jacob had to come to the end of himself when he was completely out of strength, and God had finally brought him to that place. This is a strong man. Too strong. You're too strong nature. You're still Jacob. I need you to be Israel. And so he changed his, my name in Arabic, Wahid, means literally one, because the nature of my name is the firstborn. One. In fact, the numbers one through five in Arabic are wahid, tanayn, talata, arba, khamsa. Wahid, one. One. That's what my name means. It's the nature. I was the firstborn son. One. And then I had a sister, and so that, that was, then I had to <laughs> come up with a different name, because that was, a, you know, I wasn't just the only one anymore. Now we have another child. But that was the name, the nature. So what God is saying, I want you to know who I am. This is my name. This is my nature. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, that's my nature, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, and transgression, and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. By the way, this this passage that I just read, the nature of who God is, slow to anger, abounding in goodness and truth, This has actually been misunderstood, along with Exodus chapter 20, when the Ten Commandments were given, to lead some to falsely teach what is known as generational curses. And it's unfortunate, because some translations render this, that God punishes the iniquity of the children upon the third and the fourth generation. It does not say that. He visits the iniquity to show them mercy. The children's children to the third and the fourth generation. If you're interested in knowing more about why there is no way there can be, even if there were generational curses, the cross would have broke it. Even if there were, the cross would have broken that. But the one litmus test to know whether something is biblical or accurate or not, is to ask yourself these questions. Number one, did the early church practice it? Do we see a record of it in the book of Acts? Do we see Jesus teaching it in the Gospels? 
do we see the Apostle Paul referring to it or talking about it in the epistles? And there is no mention whatsoever of anything to do with generational curses. Besides, what, what seals the deal for me, God has just got done proclaiming His nature, and He's merciful and gracious. That doesn't fit, right? Merciful, gracious, long-suffering, aboundness, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. But I'm going to punish the sins of the fathers under the second and third generation. How about that? I'm sorry that I over-dramatized it, but you get the point, right? Does that fit? No! That's who, who God is. God is a loving God. God is a forgiving God. God is a merciful God. You know why He, he, he visits the iniquity? Upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation, because that's how many generations deep the sins of the father affect the kids and the grandkids and the great-grandkids. He's visiting the iniquity because he knows that they're still paying because of what their fathers did, or their grandfathers did, or their great-grandfathers did. And he visits them like if I pay you a visit. <laughs> it's, a, it's a visit, I mean it's a welcoming visit, right? Uh, I'm, I'm there to visit you. It's, it's going to be a good thing, not a bad thing. All right, Psalm 146. We did this, uh, oh boy, we did it in uh, Exodus 20. You can go onto our website and archives. We did an in-depth study of why generational curses are a false teaching. Okay, verse 1. <laughs> I love this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not put your trust in princes, nor in a son of man in whom there is no help. His spirit departs, he returns to his earth. In that very day, his plans perish. In other words, don't put your trust in man, put your trust in the Lord. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. It's always been interesting to me, and I don't want to belabor it, but uh, interchanging in the Old Testament. Uh, God sometimes will refer to Jacob as Jacob, other times will refer to Jacob as Israel. And it's not like he's mad at him when he refers to him as Jacob, like when your parents, when you were younger, you knew you were in trouble when they shattered out your full name. <laughs> and the last name. When our boys were little, you knew that was it. <laughs> it was the, the wrath of dad was coming down. It, it wasn't like that though. But interchanging, it's really fascinating. It's a study unto itself. But happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over 
the strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked he turns upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Can't think of a better psalm to end our Bible study with. It's the first of the five final psalms known as the Hallelujah Psalms. Now to me, this is so apropos for this amazing book, because it, it kind of parallels life in a way, and I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, life is full of problems and trouble, and the Psalms are full of songs about fear and worry and doubt and shame and sorrow and sin and all of the above. But some of those psalms start off very bad. The situation is very dire, but the end of the psalm, it ends with praise. And I think it's so appropriate (laughs) that this amazing book, filled with all these songs about all of life's problems and troubles is going to end with five, by the way, the number of grace. You want to talk about, oh, this is so good. Just give me one one minute on this. The number five in Scripture is the number of grace. The fifth commandment is the only of the ten commandments that has any grace. All the other commandments are thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother, so that the days upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee might be long or blessed. The only commandment that has grace, number five. Um, David had five stones, and Israel was saved, uh, five, were saved by grace, five. Uh, Grace changes everything. You know that when God changed Abram's and Sarai's name, he took the fifth letter, five, in the Hebrew alphabet, and he put it in the fifth place in their name and changed their nature. That's grace. So no longer is it Abram, it's Abraham. No longer is it Sarai, it's Sarah. That number five is the number of grace. It's a fascinating study throughout Scripture that grace changes everything. And I think it is so appropriate that the last five Psalms in this amazing book would be filled with the praise, the hallelujah, the songs of hallelujah to the Lord, despite the fallenness of man, the sinfulness of man. In the end, God is worthy of all our praise. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
we do treasure our connection with our listeners, we'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.